Welcome to the Odyssey Podcasts. This is Jean Cavellos, Director of the Odyssey Writing Workshops Charitable Trust. Odyssey is a nonprofit with the mission of helping writers of fantasy, science fiction, and horror improve their work. To fulfill our mission, we offer a six week workshop each summer in New Hampshire, online writing courses and webinars each winter a critique service and consultations year-round, and many free resources, including these podcasts. Please consider making a donation to Odyssey so more writers can build their skills and realize their dreams. We can only continue each year with the support of donors like you. For more information on Odyssey, visit odysseyworkshop.org. Podcast 110 is an excerpt from the question and answer session of Dan Schoen at Odyssey 2018 about incorporating backstory, creating open endings, staying innovative and creative, and about his own writing process. The text of this recording is copyright 2018 by Dan Schoen. The sound recording is copyright 2018 by Odyssey Writing Workshops Charitable Trust. Hi, uh, I listened to the podcast recording of your story, The Bees, and I was really intrigued by how much of that story relies on events that happened before the story, but the pacing never slows down. And I wonder if you have specific writing or revising techniques about backstory and flashback that you use to make sure that things always feel like they're moving forward even when they're actually sometimes moving backwards. Right. I mean, I think the, you know, the, the simple trick is that there has to be some kind of very dire, suspenseful element in the present and that you cut off like the present with some kind of cliffhanger. I mean, it's, it's a very kind of simple five-act structure stuff that you learn from watching a lot of commercial television. Because that's exactly what, as a TV writer, you learn to do. You have to have a you have to have five commercial breaks. So at the end of each one, you have like a, a, some kind of cliffhanger, so that people will sit and watch the commercials. And you know, I think in in some ways, all of the backstory is kind of like the equivalent of a commercial. <laughs> you know, it's important, but you know, people want to get on with the regular with the front story. So. Giving them something to look forward to, I guess, is the is the trick. Thank you. Uh, I read your collection Stay Awake a little while ago, and I noted how many of the stories seemed to end in a way that was left, left a lot of things open. I'm just wondering about that. I, I it wasn't that I felt unfulfilled at all. I actually quite liked the fact that it left it open, and I'm just I don't know. I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit more to that. You know, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it is my thing. Um, it's something that I really like, and I feel like, you know, the short story form in particular is is open to that, just because it is so much, you know, a slice of life. It's been, you know, you don't, a story doesn't necessarily need to solve everything. It's just sort of taking a, a character to a point of change or where there's a complete gesture that's been made. And I, I've always been really interested in playing with that and playing with the ideas of what is a conclusion, what is an epiphany, and when do things feel like an ending? And, you know, sort of 
trying to experiment with that, with, I guess with the concept of ending, it's always been a, a, a particular sort of creative or technical interest of mine. And, you know, you learn that, I, I think, in particular from, from the ghost story and from, uh, from stories of haunting, I guess. And that's, that's something that I read a lot as a kid and that in particular thrilled me was, you know, stories that had sort of a duality to them. Uh, where it could be supernatural, it could be not. And I, I really, really loved that, and I wanted to kind of try it myself. How do you try to be innovative or stay creative? Do you have any tricks on how to really like push the boundaries that way or how to make sure that you're not just uh... I I don't. Um, I mean, I think that as long as something has some kind of some kind of element or some kind of secret that's deeply personal to you that there's, it, I mean, it's not necessarily innovation, but I think, I think it's a question of whatever you're writing has to have some kind of emotional spark or personal spark that is compelling to you. And if it's compelling to you and if, if, if it moves you, then I think it doesn't matter whether it's yet another vampire novel or yet another sword and sorcery novel or whatever it is, if it's got that spark, then it's going to have some innovative quality to it because people are going to see, see that world differently. Could you speak a little bit more about that? I mean, I, I'm interested in how you develop premises and you talk about the importance of free writing, but also pulling from some personal experience. I mean, as you're beginning a project, how do you... I mean, how does that work for you? I mean, do you start with do you start with an image? Do you start with a situation, or is it? Uh... I usually, I mean, I usually start with a, with both an image and a situation, and a lot of times I'm I'm looking for some aspect that, for whatever reason, gives me some kind of um, friction of recognition. Particularly, I'm wanting. To, I mean, I I, I want to write about things that are obsessing me in my present life in a way that, that that feels like safe and disguised. And so, I mean, that, that's I think that's one of the reasons that that kind of turned towards genre as opposed to straight up domestic realism, because I don't want anybody in my life to, to feel like they, they're being exposed. By <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but at the same time, there's, I mean, I, I think as somebody pointed out, there are things that, that I, that I write obsessively about in part because that's one of the one of the things I find writing is useful to me for is I mean I I'm a depressive and obsessive person and I find that it's good therapy <laughs> so I mean I, I don't know I don't know whether there's a trick to that but I, I do think instead of talking to a shrink I often talk to um, my characters or give them my problems <laughs> And exaggerate them. I promise. <laughs> no children have been harmed. <laughs> I just want to go back to that, um, what you said before about duality. That's something that really interests me, is um, being able to tell a story where at the end the reader can interpret it in several different ways. As a fairly beginning writer, I've pulled it off once accidentally in my heart, um, and never since. Um, I get lots of people saying, I want to know, did this really happen or not? So I'm just wondering, is, is there anything you can let us know about how, how to make that work a little more effectively? I think it's a good question. 
I mean, I think it works for me because I don't know the answer myself. I mean, a lot of times I have two different ideas, and I think probably most people do. You have, you, you mean, there's so many sort of branching paths that you're taking as you're as you're writing. You're making choices, and you see the other one, you know, the exit go past, and I feel like that's just sort of a, it, it's sort of a natural part of the of the process, and the thing that that I think makes it work is that the ending has some kind of it has some kind of resonance or a sense of unexplainable urgency to it that allows for for two interpretations or for multiple interpretations and doesn't just leave us at the at the crossroads feeling like we've been cheated to me most of that has to do with with the power of an image with the power of a particular image to close a story or to, or to give it a sense of completeness. So, yeah. At what point in your process do you start to arrange some of these images or the pre-writing that you've done into a, into something more linear? Is that, is that late in the process generally? Or? It's usually, um, when I get to a point where I think I see like the, how this, chunk or section fits together and then then you know then I'll go back and sort of rewrite it and fit it and fit the pieces all together until I get to a point that I don't know what happens next and then I have to go back and start free writing for the next section so you know like I'll I'll free write then put together then free write again and then put together so it's like usually two or two or three steps for each block and I do I do tend to write in blocks if that makes sense. Like, you know, 50, 50 to 75 page blocks is usually my, for novels, and for stories it's like two scenes. Have you ever, have you ever become so enamored of a title idea or a single sentence that you just kept at it until the story appeared around it? Yes. times. <laughs> and I have to say, one of my novels, it was built around a title, and at, when I got to the end, my editor was like, yeah, I really like this, but we have to do something about the title. <laughs> they took the title away. They gave, they gave it a new, in-house, they gave it a new title. So, this new novel, I got the, I, I took the, I'm, now I'm back to the title, and the, the new novel has that title. <laughs> Keep the The text of this recording is copyright 2018 by Dan Schoen. The sound recording is copyright 2018 by Odyssey Writing Workshops Charitable Trust.